Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Ah, it's a good jam. That's a good jam. I am not sick of that jam yet. I am, however, actually sick again because this is my existence forever. Forever. So, you know, I get it. Like, you guys listening to this podcast, you're probably thinking Dan is legitimately always sick. I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that I started this show basically the moment we had our first kid. So, like, seven years ago, started a podcast. We we weren't really doing it. It wasn't every day. I think uh, right before he was born, it was like two months after that, we started doing this show every day. And... I didn't get sick when he was an infant because we weren't taking him out that many places. Although those were those were simpler times. He was an infant in early or late 2016, early 2017. We used to take Asher in his little carrying deal to like bars and restaurants and pubs and what have you for things that other people our age were doing. And he just sleep through the din. Loved the the crowd noise. He loved the crowd noise. Sleep through it. I wasn't sick then. As soon as that kid started preschool, when he turned two, it's like two and two months. So that would have been January of 2019. So five straight years now, I've basically just been sick. Outside of the, you know, half a year, year where nobody went anywhere during COVID. So yeah, I'm sick literally all the time. But it's because I started this godforsaken podcast right when I was sliding into Hey, get ready for sickness all the time. Now, in Asher's defense, he's in first grade now. Uh, he doesn't get sick all the time. He's gotten sick like three times uh, since August or September or something like that. But, of course, he has a younger brother who's literally boogering on everything. I try to talk about poop and boogers at least once per fantasy basketball episode. That's the rule around here at Fantasy NBA Today, which is, by the way, the name of the show. I'm Dan Bespris, talking poops and boogers as usual. At Dan Bespris over on social media. I don't do that much uh, a poo and booger talk over on social. Um, maybe I should. Maybe I should. I also put a trivia question out on uh, Twitter about uh, seven minutes ago. And I said I would give the answer here on the podcast before I did it on social. See if anybody would come listen to the show instead of uh, just sitting over on Twitter waiting for it. The, tri- the uh, trivia question was, for those of you that want to play along, what unheralded center with a Yahoo preseason ADP of exactly 100 has, as of last week, moved into the third round in nine category leagues thanks to posting a second round value, or I, I'm adding a little bit here because it didn't fit on Twitter, thanks to posting second round value over the previous month. That was the question. ADP, preseason ADP of 100, exactly, 100 on the nose. And he's now a third rounder. You guys know who it is? A couple of people got it right on Twitter so far. We've had, I'll give you some of the wrong guesses. We want to like play the game where we circle around it. Uh, Jared Allen was guessed. That's a very good guess, but his ADP was not 100. He was going earlier than that. Allen was going uh, closer to like 50, 60 range, but he is a third round value on the year. So you got that half of it right if you guessed Jared Allen, but you didn't get the ADP part right. Uh, Brooke Lopez is incorrect because he also uh, is a third rounder. He's ranked number 29. Jared Allen, by the way, is number 36 on the year. But much like Allen, he was not a preseason ADP of 100. He was a little bit earlier than that. Not by a ton, but by enough to disqualify him from this one. What was Brooke Lopez's preseason ADP? It was... Rolo was about 70, 75 range. So who could it be? Who could it be? Shangun was a guess. Uh, his ADP was way earlier than that. So no, that one's uh, that one's not going to do it. I think his ADP might have been... Well, ADP doesn't tell the entire story because you sort of line it up. He was technically going 48th if you actually did it by like... If you did it numerically, his ADP was technically 57, but he was going 48th if you line the players up. So that's one of those weird areas of uh, incongruity. Um, Other incorrect options. Who's thrown out another 
Uh, Jonas Valanciunas, not a bad guess. He's fallen off a little bit lately, though. JV is now number 61. Uh, but he did have an ADP, I believe, outside the top 100. Or if not outside of it, then pretty close to outside of it. Let me see if I can track down JV's average draft slot. He was number 97. That's a pretty good guess. But he's fallen off lately, so it's not JV either. The correct guess, VKJ, you got it in the chat room. Daniel Gafford. Daniel Gafford. It's funny that very few people are thinking about him, too. Daniel Gafford is now number 33 in 9-cat in 26.2 minutes per game. 11 points, 8 boards, a steal, 2 blocks, 60, uh, or sorry, 70% actually from the field. That's crazy. Uh, 72% at the line, so he's not hurting you very much there. One and a half assists, only one turnover. Daniel Gafford, ladies and gentlemen, thanks to the magic of 9-cat, where turnovers matter and percentages matter and blocks and steals matter. Daniel Gafford is ranked right in between Jalen Brunson and Jimmy Butler. This is the wildness, the wildness of the value of different categories and how they factor into a player's rank. Daniel Gafford. Uh, I have him in a few spots. He was a member of the old man squad, so that's a good little footnote on all of that. But uh, there's your show opening trivia. I'll try to do that more often. I think that was fun, actually. A little show opening trivia. It gets us right into the fantasy side of things, and it's a little game to get everybody kind of warmed up for the week here on Monday, and maybe warmed up for the day, depending on how we're feeling on other shows. I want to apologize in advance as we now sort of segue into the actual part of the show. Uh, there may be a sniffle or two on this one. My kids did in indeed give me their cold. It's not too bad. I can function just fine. I'm powering through, but it has hurt my voice and it's hurt my sinuses a little bit. But, you know, where there's a will, there's a way. You know, I went on a stretch where I didn't miss a show for like two and a half straight years. So a little kid crud isn't going to knock me off of this one. Welcome, everybody, by the way. A lot of people joining us live here right out of the shoot. That's super awesome. Uh, this is Fantasy NBA Today. I'm Dan Vesperis. Again, thanks so much for joining us. You can, uh, I think I mentioned this before, find me on social at Dan Vesperis. Sportsethos.com is the website. Ethos Fantasy BK is the Twitter feed for our uh, news feed at Sports Ethos. Uh, take a moment, please, here at the beginning of the show to like the episode if you're watching on YouTube. Subscribe no matter how you're taking in the content. Uh, leave a review preferably five stars if you're watching or uh, listening rather on iTunes or Spotify or something like that. And if you flip through to the show description, no matter how you're taking in the pod, we've got a link to our Discord where some of my tweet storms are now going. Some of them you'll be able to find in our free Discord. Some of them may end up behind a paywall down the line. Uh, but right now they're in the free Discord uh, and on Twitter. You can also find our Trade Deadline live show link in the show description. That's now up to 557 pre-likes. I did not think that we'd get there this fast because we still have a week and a half before the deadline. So now I want to try to get to 750 pre-likes. So please find that link in the show description. Head on over there. I'm going to throw it in the chat room for those that can see the chat room. I don't know which of you are in that particular position. Uh, but that's the link to the Trade Deadline live show. Please throw a thumbs up on that and subscribe to uh, YouTube while you're there. Okie dokie. For those uninitiated, this is our uh, Monday episode, which is basically a weekend review where we go through all 30 teams, or really anybody that played Friday, Saturday, or Sunday, which is generally everybody in the NBA, but sometimes once in a blue moon you'll have like a 28 or 29 game slate. We had some big injuries over the weekend. We'll cover those. We'll, as we work our way through the games, we'll talk about uh, which players maybe sort of moved up or down my trade deadline stash board. Just a lot to go over, and we're going to get into that right now. We'll start on Sunday. We'll work our way backwards. Detroit, a 16-point win over the Oklahoma City Thunder. Cade was resting this ball game, but don't do the thing where it's like, look, they're better without him. No, they're not better without him, but... In Detroit's defense, they have won three of their last 10 ballgames. Yay, Pistons. They're no longer, like, laughably far behind everybody else in the NBA. They're only two and a half games behind the Wizards for the second worst record in the NBA. There was a, a thing on the Pistons, and I don't mean to get too far down a side road here, uh, where I think when they were on that, like, whatever it was, 21-22 game losing streak, where I think their season win total got bumped all the way down to like six and a half. 
And we all should have just bet every cent we had on the over. Because once you once you fall that far behind everyone, you have no reason to tank at the end of the season. And at some point, you're going to play other tanking teams, and you're going to get gifted wins because it won't matter. Now, this one wasn't that. Uh, also, NBA teams are just, no matter how bad they are, they're not a six-and-a-half win pace. Anywho, nothing to take away on the Thunder side. As far as Detroit goes, Jalen Duran, 2020 game. His season is... Uh, has been good. He's number 70 in nine cat, but it could be a lot better. The ankle stuff definitely slowed him down. You've seen the defensive stats kind of take a hit since he's been working through that. But I mean, I said in the beginning of the year, I thought Duran would compete for the rebounding title this season. And as, as harebrained as that may be, because he's not catching Sabonis or Gobert, he's not that far behind. He's fifth in the NBA in boards per ball game at 11.9. Sabonis leads the league at 12.6. Jalen Duran is going to have a shot at some point in his career to lead the league in rebounding. I feel pretty confident in that. Uh, Alec Burks is a nice fill-in anytime that Cade Cunningham has to sit. Jaden Ivey, this is the prime example of why he's a points league guy and not a nine-cat guy. And he's definitely not going to be a nine-cat guy when Cade is back. Maybe still a points league guy. But 19-8-6 with three three-pointers, you're like, all right, now we're cooking and then you realize he went 7-for-20 from the field, 2-for-5 at the free throw line. Whoops. Isaiah Stewart also turned an ankle in this ballgame. Uh, unclear if he'll miss any time. Previously, we've seen Asser Thompson get a little bit more run when Stewart was out. He didn't pick up the bonus minutes in this particular ballgame. They gave a little bit more uh, to just sort of a, a smattering. You might see Kevin Knox get the start. Keep an eye on that. If Thompson gets a start for Detroit in their next ballgame, I might consider throwing him into a lineup, but it also didn't seem like it was that huge, that critical of an ankle tweak. So we're probably talking about one, two, three games, something like that. Not sure it's worth it. The only argument you would make on uh, Thompson as a as a pickup here is to say, okay, well, if it gets us a, a couple games in and it gets us close to the trade deadline and maybe he gets to do more stuff on the other side of that, that's your kind of gap bridging idea but otherwise i don't think we need to read too much into the Stewart thing indiana beat memphis 116 110 uh gg jackson at 18 points when he's hot he can be fine it to me he's not trustworthy enough on the game to game same story for david roddy whose fantasy game is is relatively limited he doesn't do much besides hit three pointers and uh, i mean i know he had a steal and a block in this one but that's sort of uncommon you guys know where I'm at with the Grizzlies, but quickly to recap it, um, Vince Williams is a play. Obviously, Jaron Jackson Jr. We don't need to talk about that. Uh, when Luke Kennard is healthy, he's a play. With Kennard out, John Conchar is actually a solid roto-type guy. Punt points kind of build dude for head-to-head, -head, but he'll do enough, uh, even in nine-cat, I would think, here, while getting 30 minutes with no Kennard because he is effectively the point guard of this team right now. And that's good. That means assists. We know he can rebound from the guard position. We know he can get steals and blocks from the guard position. And he's probably going to do it on a decent percentage. Remember, there was a run last year when the Grizzlies had a few guys out in the backcourt. Conchar was like a top 80 guy for a month. And then Santi Aldama, who I remain, let's say, uh, cautiously bullish on. He got 28 minutes again here. He didn't get the steals or blocks, and he shot just four for 11, which is going to be a thing that jumps out. But he hits threes. He can rebound. He often gets some assists, not in this ballgame. There's that roundedness. He can get all the counting categories, points, threes, boards, assists, steals, and blocks. We just need the percentages to not be a total train wreck. Will they or won't they? That I don't know yet. If he's near last year's numbers, percentages then Santi will have value. And if he's more like what he's done so far this year in percentages, he won't be a 9-cat value. That's the cutoff line. Ah, we had our once-every-week-and-a-half Benedict Matherin game. Don't read too much into that. Uh, Jalen Smith filled in for Miles Turner. If that happens again, we know what to do. Aaron Neesmith is very much a, a safe hold Andrew Nemhard has had a couple good ball games in a row, much to my surprise, actually, because typically he's just some points and some assists, but he got some threes in this one, made his free throws, got a steal. I mean, yes, playing against the Grizzlies is helpful, but 
And this is good news for the Pacers. Tyrese Halliburton is expected to make his return for Indiana's next ball game, so you can probably not worry about the Nemhard thing. Also, no TJ McConnell. So Nemhard played, uh, I think he was like three seconds off the team high in minutes in this one. That's just not a thing that would have happened if McConnell was around as well. He still would have gotten the lion's share, would have been, but it would have been more like 28-29 instead of 37. But you don't even worry about it. I don't know why we're talking about it. Halliburton's coming back. Buddy Heald might be the most difficult hold in the NBA right now, uh, but you'd need to hold because he's starting, and Rick Carlisle is not going to stick with the guy if they're dog-do, and in this game, Heald was dog-do, and Matherin was better, so he went to Benedict. He went to Benny. But Heald is the better shooting guard fantasy-wise. Atlanta took everything in their arsenal to squeeze by the vaunted 16-30 and 30 Toronto Raptors. This is my tongue in my cheek. Uh, Jordan Nwara had 24 points for Toronto. Watch list. Watch list. Because it's really not clear what might be about to happen for Toronto. Grady Dick should be watch listed. Uh, Jonte Porter should be watch listed. Although I think Jakob Pertl will be back provided they don't move him. Bruce Brown got a start in this ballgame. No R.J. Barrett and no Emmanuel quickly. So things are all over the map. Okay, so let's pause for a second on Toronto. Before we get into, like, the nitty-gritty of each individual player, and frankly, I don't even know that we need to, it is important to point out that two of the top three usage guys on the team were gone for this game. So, yeah, Schroeder got to do more. Grady Dick, Gary Trent Jr., Jordan Nawara, Bruce Brown, Jonte Porter, all these guys got to shoot way more, because quickly, and Barrett, those two dudes, weren't there. So you don't want to read too much into this game. The thing you want to read into with Toronto is, what direction are they going at the trade deadline? We've already seen them move Siakam. Does anybody else get moved? We know Bruce Brown is a candidate to get shuttled onto another team. Adam, would they move Jenna Schroeder, who, uh, like, is he really part of a rebuild plan? Is it a full rebuild What's what's the what is the actual direction? Is this going to be like a partial rebuild or is this a full teardown? Because if it's a full teardown, Pirtle could be on the move, and Trent could be on the move, and Schroeder could be on the move, and Brown could be on the move, and then you got to figure out who the hell that leaves behind. We don't know right now. Is it going to be the Grady Dick Show down the stretch? You don't really want to say Dick Show in a row on a podcast, but you kind of have no choice. Call him Grady D but that doesn't help all that much. Is it going to be a Jordan Nawara show? I don't think you need to pick up these guys, including Gary Trent, who I think is, you know, he's like seventh out of eight names. Eh, I'm probably up to nine names now. He's like eighth out of nine names on the trade deadline uh, stash candidate board for me. So very close to the bottom. But you saw it here. I mean, if he gets a dozen shots, he can be interesting fantasy-wise. But you don't need to stash these dudes. The only reason you're picking up these guys is if you think quickly and Barrett miss another ball game. Which, I mean, IQ's missed a couple, so you never know. No DeJounte Murray with what they're calling a hamstring. Wink, wink, nod, nod. I'm sure it's a, I'm sure it's a devastating hamstring injury that's, uh, that's keeping DeJounte out for Atlanta. Uh, apparently, you know, there's some stuff that's floating around on Twitter that he's been very irritated with the way the team is being run. Um, and we know he's on the block. And this just might be them saying, you know, enough's enough. Like, you're getting traded. We're not going to risk you turning an ankle and blowing this up for us. We're going to get as much value as we can, even if it's not nearly what we spent to get you. Which, I mean, who couldn't who couldn't have predicted that putting bringing in another feature guard alongside Trey Young wouldn't work out all that great? In any event, uh, the good news here is that with DeJounte out and, uh, well, Trey back, there was sort of this flip-flop of usage that it didn't get chewed up with Trey Young uh, returning, I think, whatever, is one game back. Not for this one. Trey's been back for a couple ball games, uh, But it meant that all that extra usage was still floating around in the other player pool. So Sadiq Bey got 18 shots, and Jalen Johnson got 17 shots, Trey Young 24, Bogdan Bogdanovich 11, Clint Capella got a dozen shots. 
Okongwu only seven. Womp womp. But and again, Atlanta's another team where you're like, I don't really know what direction this team is going. Because if they move Murray, and you know the the rumors are all out there that they don't want to take D'Angelo Russell back, they'd want to shuttle him onto a third team. That sounds like a club that wants to go into more of a rebuild. But is Trey Young on board with sort of a semi rebuild? They've obviously got something special in Jalen Johnson as a young player, but you could move Sadiq Bey, you could move Clay Capella, you could probably move Bogdan Bogdanovich. Like, I don't know where are the studs from a like a building standpoint, not not like a who's hot standpoint. If you were going to tear this thing down to the studs, which which players are those? Who are you building around? Trey and Jalen Johnson and Okongwu? Is that the three? I don't know. And so, again, that makes it a very difficult spot to say, oh, here's a possible uh, stash guy. But if you had to take a, a stab at it, you'd say Okongwu was probably someone that they'd hold on to. Uh, DeAndre Hunter, who's hurt, I'm guessing would be difficult to move. So that's a guy they would probably hold on to. Jalen Johnson feels like the very safe yes. He's a guy they definitely want to build around. So would I stash DeAndre Hunter? Uh, maybe. Yeah, I mean, if he, we keep hearing that he's like getting kind of close to coming back and then nothing for like a week after that. I don't know when the hell he's going to play, and he can't stay healthy, which is another big problem. But it does feel like uh, if they move Murray, which feels almost inevitable at this point, and if they move even one more guy, then Hunter probably has value after that. Phoenix, it's a Devin Booker show right now, but it's not enough. Uh, Booker's moved all the way up to number 13 thanks to one of the biggest weeks in fantasy in years, honestly. Uh, but his team keeps losing, so something's going to have to change a little bit. Uh, Kevin Durant, a couple of softer games here. He's moved back down to number 9. You know, no biggie. You're not changing anything with Phoenix just because Booker is uh, taking all of the shots. Uh, Grayson, I mean, you start the starters, basically, when Nurk is healthy. Now, Nurk was out for this ball game. Drew Eubanks started at four points, eight boards, three assists, a steal, and a block. Which, um, I mean, yeah, that's like kind of what you'd expect if he's a fill-in start. I don't know that he's a guarantee to get 29 minutes every game that Nurk is out, so I'd probably pass on Eubanks. But if you're like if you're feeling desperate, he's probably a you know 100 to 150 range fill-in center while Nurk is out. Markel Fultz had a nice five steal game yesterday uh, and and seven out of ten shooting. I I still don't think that Fultz is a top 100 guy the rest of the year. I uh, just I like there are too many ball handlers on that club. If you're a starting point guard that is averaging you know four assists a ball game, which Fultz is at 3.6 that sort of wipes out the reason that we are like, oh, well, you should, like, if you're a starting point guard in the NBA, you should be on a fantasy roster. Yes, but only if you're actually getting point guard kind of stats. And for faults, steals does kind of fit into that. And it's nice to have a point guard who can be good at field goal percent, but no threes, not a good free throw shooter, not that many assists, probably not all that much scoring. The Magic are a damn hard team to figure out. Franz Wagner is... A nine-cat play. Paolo Boncaro is definitely more of a points league play. He's number 184 in nine-cat because of field goal and free throw percent. And then Wendell Carter Jr., who you guys know I don't really like his fantasy game, but of the centers, he's the one that probably belongs on rosters. Uh, but then you saw Mo Wagner get hot in this ball game. Wagner was in lineups that went plus 20, and so they got extra run. Which, I mean, that can happen every once in a while. This is not me saying to add Mo Wagner. This is me just saying if you're big time into Wendell Carter Jr., I'm not with you on that train. Uh, and then Jalen Suggs is really the guy that I've kind of gone back and forth with this team. This is a better ball game for him, but Suggs had been bad for like a solid five or six weeks. He's fallen outside the top 115 after sitting near 70 for a long time. The steals is going to be the category that gets him back. So two steals and a block in this one, that's good. Uh, Is it the start of something? I don't know. Um, But I am willing, you know, because we've seen it. He did it when he had some energy. If the energy kind of kicks back into high gear for Suggs, then he's a guy you're definitely going to want. This is one of those ones where I I want to toe the line, but as a fantasy podcast host, you sort of aren't allowed to toe the line. 
So I'm probably not getting back in on Suggs yet. I'm probably a game away. If he can do another good one, then I'll probably dive back in. Chicago, no Patrick Williams on top of the no Zach Levine, who also kind of feels like he's out to the trade deadline. We'll see. Uh, but with no uh, P-Will, no P-Willie, Io got into the starting lineup. 11-5-3 with three blocks. That was a bit unusual. But if Io's starting, you can start him. And for the Bulls right now, this starting five is a nice way to probably get all five dudes with fantasy value. Now, uh, Kobe White came through with a uh, classic points league over nine cat kind of line. But listen, like he'll he'll be fine. Kobe White will be fine. His numbers on the year are, are always going to surprise people. He's number 90 on the season. People are like, really? He's that low? Yeah, because field goal percent has been a big drag, and he doesn't get defensive stats. And so you kind of have to think about these things in 9-cat. But he'll be fine. DeMar will be fine. Vooch is fine. Drummond had one of his sort of one, once every once in a while explosion games. Uh, Caruso, I still like a lot. I big. You guys know I'm a big fan of Caruso. Where is he now? Uh, 69 in 9-cat. Nice. Anyway, uh, Patrick Williams, when he comes back, I'm not. Uh, yeah, I don't think I start him in Roto. Could probably go head-to-head there because he's just close enough. But honestly, I'm happier this way because Io has a better, more translatable fantasy game. So that means you can start him. Portland side, Malcolm Brogdon is a go as long as Shaden Sharp or Jeremy Grant or Anthony Simons is out. When one of those guys is out, Brogdon gets that usage, and he uses it better than these other guys. It's nice to see DeAndre Ayton have a couple of good ball games in a row. Uh, Simons, cold, Grant, decent, Scoot, still learning. Jabari Walker, and I, I don't know why everybody gets so mad at me when I say that I think he really needs one guy out of his way to still get to that fantasy mark. And someone on Twitter was just like, he's already a play. I'm like, well, I don't like, I get it. You know, uh, he's had a decent stretch here of points and rebounds, but that points and rebounds doth not a fantasy line make. He's averaging 10 and 9 over the last three weeks, but on 44% shooting from the field, 72 at the free throw line, 0.8 combined defensive stats, and that's got him outside the top 200. This is Jabari Walker we're talking about. If, in, a, in a, a long shot, Jeremy Grant gets traded, which I don't think is happening, then I think you can look at Jabari Walker, and then I'd be on board. But I don't think we're there. I don't think we're there yet. Let's turn the clock back to Saturday, go through some of these teams. There's Daniel Gafford, winner of our trivia question today. Pretty amazing what he's done this year. Inside the top 35. Whew. That's a beautiful thing right there. That's a beautiful thing. The uh, fun for Tyus Jones may uh, shortly be running out. We're about 10 days away from him likely being on another team and not getting to do uh, all this fun stuff, which is a shame. And that's kind of what we knew was going to happen. He was always going to be either a shutdown or a trade risk. I was high on him because I thought he'd have an outstanding first four months of the season, and he basically has. He's inside the top 60. Uh, when the Wizards have competitive ball games, he's been better than that. He's like, you know, 115 in blowouts and top 40 in competitive games. But it's quite conceivable that his run is coming to an end. Uh, this was a nice one because they got to play the Pistons, which mean, meant that basically everybody had fantasy value. And I don't know that we need to talk much more about the Wizards. Keep playing Avdia. He's been good enough. I know his numbers were lower in this one. Uh, Kulabali is a, a guy where I've said it before. I'll just repeat myself quickly here. I think he needs both Tyus Jones and a high-usage guy out of the way because he can get the minutes, as we saw in this one. He played 31 minutes, but he took only seven shots. So he'll get you some rebounds. He'll get you some steals. I need him to score a little bit. I need a little bit more than that. And that means someone's got to get out of the way that shoots. We shall see. We talked Pistons already, so we can slide on past them to Miami, who lost again. Uh, but at least Jimmy Butler looked a little bit more like himself. Butler's been a second-rounder since coming back from his last injury, which I think is basically what we were hoping for. Um, you know, the issue is that he had such a long stretch where he was not playing well, but Jimmy's up to number 34 on the season now. Remember two weeks ago, he was number 49? Yeah, it doesn't take much. A few good game steals are up to 1.2. 
after another three-steal game here. If he gets a couple more of those, he'll be a second-rounder. I get it. He's never going to hit the marker because he's only played in 31 games, and this is this is why these guys are roto-only type players. Now, Kawhi, who I've called a roto-only kind of guy because of the games cap situation, he's playing games this year, so he's working out in all formats, but that doesn't mean it was incorrect to say go for him in games cap. I think it would have been fine to avoid Kawhi in head-to-head leagues. Yeah, you're missing out on a win, but it would have been nerve-wracking to pick a guy who you thought would probably sit a bunch of ball games. It's not nerve-wracking on the Roto side. And Jimmy Butler, yeah, he's been a pain in the butt in all formats, but all of a sudden now he's playing better. And if you're in a Roto games cap lead and you took him, you know, late third round or something like that, per game, he's basically even with his ADP now. Maybe what, like four slots behind it? He's like two good games from being ahead of his ADP on a per-game basis. Guys, I mean, I get it. Like, it's been frustrating, but it hasn't been that overwhelming. Anywho, you're not playing anybody on Miami outside of the four key guys. Jaime Aquez Jr. is worth keeping an eye on, though. They love him. If his minutes ramp back up to 30 or thereabouts, 28-29, I think that would put him back on rosters. And if you want to pick him up now and just hope that it happens, I'm okay with that. Big news of the weekend, Julius Randle, dislocated shoulder. The uh, early imaging, we got a report from Woj and Shams this morning, the early imaging uh, suggests that it's not the worst possible outcome for Randle, that it's, you know, slightly dislocated or whatever. I don't know what the terminology would be for that. Uh, But they're hoping back in a few weeks instead of a few months. So that's really much better for people who have Randall in fantasy, which means you kind of have to, you have to sit on him. Um, But it's also really good for the Knicks who've been playing their damn butts off lately. Holy crap. They won six games in a row. Knicks are a game back of the Sixers for the three seed in the East. They have been storming the roost. In the meantime, with Randall likely to miss time, however long we don't know, I expect Isaiah Hartenstein, who uh, is getting reacclimated, he'll ramp back up to his big role, so that'll be good. Uh, Dante DiVincenzo only played 20 minutes in this one. They may not have really a choice but to play him in the mid to high 20s, and he was already a guy that we liked because of his per-game numbers. I was souring on DiVincenzo because his percentages were starting to weigh a little bit, but I think you got a hold there. Ananobi's going to do more. Brunson's going to do more. The two names you guys I know are most curious about, and I saved them for the end of this discussion, is Precious Achua and Josh Hart. Hart, in my eyes, is a must-add, must-play in all formats. They're going to need his toughness to counter what they lose with Randall. The rebounding, the defense, all that stuff is going to have to be Josh Hart. And they can't go Precious Achua because he's very bad on offense. And there's just only so much you can remove offensively before your team doesn't have enough to compete on that. And it can't just be Jalen Brunson taking 30 shots. And not that Josh Hart is like super skilled on offense, but he's better than Precious Achua by a number of levels. Is Achua going to get to play more? Absolutely. No question, because the Knicks don't have the depth they had a month ago. And now it's going to get tested a little bit. If you want rebounds and a steal... You can pick up Achua. I don't think he's going to be a top 100 play in 9-cat because we've seen over the years he has these big deficiencies in his fantasy game. Josh Hart, in my eyes, is almost like a guaranteed top 75 in 9-cat while Julius Randle's out with the possibility to go harder than that. Because not only is he going to be basically guaranteed the minutes, which throughout his career, if Hart got 30 minutes, he ends up usually playing himself into an injury. So let's hope that that can be staved off. But we're talking about a a shooting guard that can probably average seven rebounds a game in starters minutes, and he's going to get three, four assists because, like, they'll have no choice but to do a lot of ball movement. He gets steals, he gets threes, does it on pretty good field goal percent, not a great foul shooter, doesn't take that many. But he's going to get shots now because Randall's, you know, high teens in shots are coming out of the pool. And yes, a lot of that's going to go to Brunson, but there's only so much that one man can do by himself. So Josh Hart, instead of seven shots a game, eight, nine, ten, something like that, it's actually a big difference. So Josh Hart, must add, must play, uh, and then Achua, bleh, bleh. 
Philly sat everybody in Denver. You can just wipe this game right off the board because those dudes will probably back be back for the next one. That was no Tobias Harris, no Tyrese Maxey, no Joel Embiid. I don't think there's another game the rest of the year where they rest all three of those guys, at least not until maybe like the last half week of basketball. Now, if they do, should this ever come up again, Paul Reed was amazing. Kelly Oubre was great. Patrick Beverly was great. Even Marcus Morris was actually somewhat useful. Of those guys, if this all happened again, I think Reed, Oubre, and Beverly are the ones that you could probably trust. Certainly Reed and Oubre, and then Pat Bev is kind of your, like, is he going to drive angry that day? We hope so. I got nothing to say about the Nuggets. They're just the same thing every night. Usually it ends well for them. Uh, Houston. This game was kind of a weird one. Uh, still no Jabari Smith Jr. So uh, Jeff Green got the start, but basically got run off the floor. So they went heavier on Cam Whitmore, who had a really nice ball game, actually. 19-9 and nine with three threes and 29 bench minutes. I, you know, I get it. I like Cam Whitmore probably more so on the keeper or dynasty side because, in my eyes, as soon as Jabari Smith Jr. comes back, that job goes back to him. And then Houston is still waiting on the nebulous return of Tari Eason. And in my eyes, there just sort of aren't enough minutes to go around. Um... This game was, and we haven't seen that much of it this year, but this game was another one where Shangun got played off the court. Uh, a few games like this have happened recently. His nine cat number has dropped back to number fifty-three, or after he had had moved into the early forties, and um, it's reason for concern. Now, typically, he's so good on offense. We're talking Shangun that they'll sort of take take the bad with the good. But when they're down Jabari Smith Jr. and Tari Eason, and they don't have the defensive horses around Alperin to minimize what he is unable to do on defense, you can see why they've had to sort of try different things. Uh, I wouldn't be worried about it long term, but it is something that's happening here in the short term, and you have to sort of pay some attention to it. Uh, Jalen Green has had two or three pretty good ball games in a row. I'm inclined to just say dude got a little bit of his confidence back. He's probably due for a little heater. This is a sell moment. If you've been sitting on him the whole year, you shouldn't have been because I yelled at you guys over and over again not to draft him. But heaven forbid, maybe somebody joined our podcast, our, our Sports Ethos Fantasy NBA Today circle of friends in like December and they had already been told foolishly to go draft J Jalen Green. Uh, this would be your moment to try to unload. You may not have another. Dorian Finney-Smith was midway through having his best ball game in two months, and he turned an ankle for Brooklyn. We know he's actually on the trade block, so we'll see what happens there. Royce O'Neal's on the block. Spencer Dinwiddie's on the block. Uh, it sounds like the two Cams and Mikhail Bridges and Claxton are not, but who knows. Uh, Bridges continues to be better. Thank the good Lord for that. He's got a long way to go, though, but at least he's now up to uh, into the 70s on the season after sitting outside the top 100 two weeks ago. So that's that's progress, man. We'll take them baby steps. Uh, Cam Thomas got a start and was amazing. This is uh, probably a sell moment for him as well, and here's why. Okay, wait. Uh, let, me, let, me, let me walk that back a tiny bit because there's a lot going on with Brooklyn right now. First of all, the biggest story with the Nets is not that Dorian Finney-Smith went out. It's that Ben Simmons is probable for Brooklyn's next ball game, which, is that tonight? I think it's tonight. Yeah, they're hosting the Jazz in, like, seven hours. Uh, what the hell do we do there is question number one. So, you're picking him up because you have to, but you're picking up Ben Simmons understanding, and I've said it on this pod, I've, I've gone on the record, and I'll say it again, I'm not going to try to back down from this, that I don't know that he plays more than five games the rest of this year. If he's truly healthy, I will be happy for him. I am not rooting for him to be back out after five games again. I just, like, we've seen it. And you know me, I, I'm the prove-it fantasy analyst, and I'm okay with kind of being that prove-it fuddy-duddy in the fantasy community. It's an image that I've cultivated for many, many years now. But 
again, like, let's say he actually comes through and plays for a while. Uh, then you want to see what he can do. He was not a top 109 cat guy before going down earlier this year, despite playing 32 minutes a game. He was at six and a half points, 11 rebounds, six and a half assists. All, you know, rebounds and assists are nice. But the steals and blocks are way down from where he was at, you know, peak Ben Simmons. He just doesn't have that in his body anymore. He's a terrible foul shooter, has been throughout his career. Field goal percent is a positive, but he doesn't shoot ever. So you're basically relying on league average blocks. Hopefully he would get up to league average and steals if you sort of gave him enough time and can stay healthy. Uh, slight positive in field goal percent, brutal negative in free throw percent. And then, you know, you get small wins. You get a win in assists and you get a win in rebounds. So you're looking at him you're like, okay, can you be Draymond Green on a medium day? Maybe. Maybe. You know, last year he was at seven points, six boards, six assists, but at least he was at 1.3 steals, and that got him a little closer to fantasy value. But, you know, again, this is a guy who's played six games this year, and, uh, you know, he played about half of last season with big gaps in the middle. He didn't play an entire year before that. I just don't believe he's going to stay healthy. I don't believe that his body can withstand the punishment of a regular NBA season. So even if he comes out there and goes for 7, 10, and 7, and even if he gets the steals and blocks up, try to think about Ben Simmons as a short-term ad in your mind. Say, look, I'm expecting this guy to play for me for like a week. Call it a short-term ad. And if you get anything beyond that, cool. Also, they're not going to ramp his minutes up super fast. He's not going to come out and play 31 minutes this first game. So if you're picking him up, which I think you probably should, understand you might be waiting through the trade deadline or longer to actually see him get into the high 20s, early low 30s in minutes. If ever, we might end up parting with him if he never hits that mark. No Cam Johnson in this game also, worth pointing out. So that opened up more for Cam Thomas because those guys have now started splitting minutes, which is extremely annoying. So let's say Simmons and Johnson both come back. Cam Johnson had been trending down for a long time. I think you have to hold to see what happens at the trade deadline more so than what I think is actually going to happen here in the short term. It seems in my eyes like Cam Johnson is going to get 25 minutes and he's not going to be inside the top 100 between now and February 8th. But again, that's only 10 days away. So I think we can I think we can call him a very uh, uh, a really interesting deadline stash because if, say, Dorian Finney-Smith and or Royce O'Neal gets out of the way, and let's say Ben Simmons lasts a week, two weeks, and has to go back down, suddenly you've got all these extra minutes floating around at small forward, power forward, and it's going to have to be Johnson at that point. I also think Dennis Smith Jr. is someone to keep an eye on. He's a possible trade deadline stash, or you can just wait, and if you see the name Dinwiddie appear on your screen on trade deadline morning, you just, you know, auto-add Dennis Smith before you even read the rest of the tweet. That, in my eyes, is kind of the only way to play the Nets right now. So you hold Johnson through the deadline, keep Dennis Smith Jr. like an ad window, and a tab open on your browser with Dennis Smith Jr. as an ad, and then watch the feed all day long. And Cam Thomas, who I was like, well, is this a sell moment? Yes, it's a sell moment, but also he's another one I think you should probably hold through the deadline because, again, if they move Dinwiddie and Dorian Finney-Smith or something like that, and Cam Thomas gets to start again, however he gets into that starting five, and he starts taking 20, 22 shots a ball game. he can be, first of all, he'd be a big win in points leagues, and he probably would squeeze inside the top 109 cat. You sort of overwhelm the bad stuff with the good stuff. But that doesn't change the fact that 37 points here is a sell moment for him. It can be two things at the same time. I'm talking a lot today. Utah over Charlotte. Uh, John Collins has actually had two good ball games in a row. Um, I had dropped him. I think it's safe to say you can add to see where this goes. Uh, I also think that the competition played a pretty sizable role here because we've seen Collins' minutes have basically sat around 24, 25 uh, for the Jazz lately, but he got more in this ball game. He was playing well. He was playing confident. He was taking shots and making them, and we've seen that Coach Hardy is going to go with a hot hand. And he was a hot hand here. So uh, stream John Collins. I think he probably goes in the stream while warm bucket for me. 
because he's warm right now. And then when his minutes, if they taper back off to 24, which maybe they don't, but I'm assuming, I'm going to guess that they will, then you could potentially move on. But again, if there's one thing that I'm trying to be better at, it's riding hot hands. For a long time on this podcast, I didn't bother riding the hot hand because I was like, well, it's going to cool off, so what's the point? Well, the point is, if you can squeeze something out of a guy, even if you don't know a finite end date, because I always liked it better when it was like, oh, well, this is a pickup because somebody's hurt, so I know the finite end date. The the playing while warm is more like kind of playing the stock market, where like you have some indicators. Mind me, I should check my stocks today. You have some indicators of... of when a stock is going up and when it's going down, you can kind of like get a feel for what they do. Like, oh, you know, Apple stock is one that I've kept an eye on. Oh, it's bounced between like 175 and 190 for the last, I don't know, almost year. So, you know, if it goes down, you buy it. If it goes up, you can sell it and you can kind of ride those little waves. And that's kind of what a lot of these stream while warm guys are. But every once in a while, you, you buy at the wrong time, you sell at the wrong time. It's a little more complicated, but it's not impossible. And so that's where I need to be, and I'm trying to be better for all of you guys to be more willing to say, dive on, a, dive in on this hot guy, even if we know it's not going to last forever, and even if we don't know the exact time that it's over. Jordan Clarkson being another one. He's now cooled off over the last couple of ball games after his insanely hot run. This is more of the, okay, he's on the way down. When he gets towards the bottom and you start to see him loop back up out of it, then you could play a hot hand again. That's okay. Uh, LaMelo Ball sat this one out for Charlotte. Uh, I think he's questionable. What's the latest on LaMelo? I haven't seen his update this morning. I think he's questionable. And in any event, it doesn't sound like it's a super long-term thing. That's the important part. Uh, <laughs> Ish Smith started... And had zero points and 12 assists. No, you're not adding Ish Smith. And no, you're not streaming Cody Martin. Yes, you're holding on to Brandon Miller, specifically because his role is only going to grow post-trade deadline. Nick Richards stream. Miles Bridges. Everybody's like, what can I sell him for? And it's like, well, most people know he's on the block. Uh, but, I, you know, honestly, if you could get, like, a top 60 guy back, I think, for Bridges, you should do it. And then P.J. Washington, when Lamelo comes back, P.J. gets hurt because he needs these shots. He needs to be a guy who can go take shots. Uh, but look, it, Rozier got traded. That opened up some shots for P.J. And if Miles Bridges gets moved, that opens up some more. So I think P.J. is another guy where it's like, look, you can call it a hot hand situation, but he's also a guy that if he's not moved, and he could be, by the way, Washington is not a guarantee to stay there. Uh, he's a guy that should be moving into more value in Charlotte. So make sure P.J. Washington is rostered right now. He's not a trade deadline stash because he's playable anyway, but he is kind of a trade deadline possible winner, and maybe that would make, it would have made him a buy guy, but you can't buy after a 43.7 three-pointer game, can you? I have no thoughts on the Clippers. I've expressed them a million times. I don't... Russell, Russell Westbrook has been generally the winner with Ivica Zubats out, but he wasn't good here, and we know Russ has his massive nine-cat struggles, so you cannot really convince me to get in on the Russell Westbrook thing. No, I don't care about Daniel Tice having a big ball game. No, I don't care about Mason Plumley being a little bit better in the last two. You're just playing Harden, Kawhi, and PG on the Clippers right now. You can play Zubats when he comes back. For Boston, uh, they just they were bad. Jalen Brown was bad. Jason Tatum was not very good. Uh, Derek White was terrible. Al Horford was filling in for Porzingis, and he was bad. I mean, really, nobody dodged a bullet in this game. Uh, Al Horford will, I think Boston has a back-to-back -back coming up, so he'll rest one of them, and if Porzingis rests the other one, then you guys know what to do there, but I don't, I don't really have anything else on the Celtics. They just, they got spanked. As did the Pelicans. Uh, fortunately, JV kind of survived this one. Um... Larry Nance is somehow putting up fantasy value in like 18 to 20 minutes of ball game. I don't really know how he's doing it. And I remain, frankly, somewhat nervous that 20 minutes isn't enough. But we also know that Larry Nance has an insanely translatable fantasy game. Rebounds, threes, steals, some blocks, good both percentages often. Like, he, his body can't take 28 minutes of ball game. We've seen that now for about four years in a row. But if he could just get up to, like, 23, I'd feel more comfortable with it. I'm still going to say add Nance 
after a 17-minute 10-5 performance. Uh, I really, I think he can be a top 100 guy in 20 minutes of ball game. Um, but again, I get it. It's sort of a low-end center, and so if that's not your jam, fine. And he doesn't really have a great path to more because nobody's getting moved out of his way on this team unless JV gets hurt or if Zion needs, needs some time off or whatever. Uh, this is This is what it is. But it's okay. It's actually just barely enough. As is the story with Herb Jones. He's just barely enough. Uh, normally, he has a big ball game when Trey Murphy is resting. Uh, this one again, they got they got destroyed. So very few players had big ball games. Herb is you know top one hundred when the team is healthy. Nance is top one hundred when the team is healthy. Trey Murphy is probably just outside of that mark. Obviously, he's in a cold snap right now. You could make an argument to hold all three of those guys, but with Trey taking back-to-backs off, I, I don't think that Murphy needs to be held on the head-to-head side. He's probably more trouble than he's worth. If I was ranking them, I would want Nance, then Herb, then Trey. I don't know if any of them is like, you must roster them. I don't think they're difference makers, but I, I do think Nance has at least the safest fantasy game when the team is fully healthy. I have no thoughts on the Milwaukee Bucks. They have a new coach, and we'll see how it develops. Spurs beat the Timberwolves, so both of the top teams in the West had an oopsies game over the weekend. Thunder and Wolves lost to uh, some bottom feeders. That has now brought, believe it or not, the Clippers and the Nuggets are within a game of the top seed in the Western Conference now. Uh, and this is this is the Mike Conley effect. He's dealing with a sore hamstring. He had a flu last week. Conley's missed a few games lately, and the Wolves have been totally unfocused. Like, the need for a backup point guard on that team could not be possibly more evident than with Conley just missing a couple of games and the Wolves falling apart at the damn seams. I have no other fantasy notes on them. I'm not starting Nikhil Alexander-Walker, even when he fills in. It's not consistent enough, other than... Good Lord, is Mike Conley actually the MVP of the NBA this year? Because that team went from world beater to crap with him out. Wemby's minutes cap is being raised, and he might play in some back-to-backs going forward. It sounds like that's on the docket. That is amazing news for a guy who's figured out the NBA a lot faster than I expected. I thought he'd be like in the low 40s in field goal percent he's at 46 and a half now um he's a wonder and a marvel of modern science so uh enjoy it you're you're getting the Wemby action about a month and a half sooner than I thought so I figured I figured he'd finish the season on more of kind of like a flourish when a lot of teams kind of stop competing but he's making the adjustments on the fly really impressive from Wemby uh, Trey Jones is a hold. Vassell is a hold. Um, Jeremy Sohan, you know, we knew he would ebb and flow. He had been in a really hot run. Uh, is this a stream while warm? That's probably the best descriptor because I still don't think his percentages are just going to magically all get better. They are certainly better in this setup, you know, with Trey Jones at point, Vassell, and Wemby alongside. He's getting better looks. He doesn't have to set other people up in the same way. He can be more aggressive, looking for his own better shots. Uh, and, you know, from a reality standpoint, and maybe that's sort of, again, I, I get a little bit unfair. I get so tied up in the fantasy side. Someone's not a bad reality basketball player, or he won't be. He's still young. Um, and he can get you some points and some boards and some assists and some steals and some blocks, and you like all that stuff. But the percentages really do still have a ways to go. Um, and that's why I can't fully get over the hump with him as like, oh, yeah, rest of season. Eh, I don't think rest of season. But, again, stream while warm, that's okay. Just be ready if the bottom falls out. Lakers and Warriors, that was absolutely the game of the weekend. Double overtime. Lakers winners 145-144. LeBron, AD, D'Lo, Reeves, and now Jared Vanderbilt. Interesting little note on the Lakers. Vanderbilt is another add from the weekend, in addition to Josh Hart. And I know some of these Hart's on some rosters already, but Vando wasn't really. He's had a couple better ball games lately. Did tweak an ankle in this one. I don't think he's on the Lakers injury report, which is a good sign, but, you know, keep one eye on that. But his energy is back. He's got his sea legs again. 
and he's able to finish better. That was a huge issue for him coming back earlier this year. His rebounding has been way better. The steals are way better. Uh, I think there's just a lot to like. You know, there are going to be games now where Torian Prince comes out and hits a couple of three-pointers, or if Cam Reddish comes back and he's playing better, where Vanderbilt won't get as many minutes. And like, you know, 41 in here, a lot of that was because of the double overtime, because the Lakers were so much better with him on the court. There will be games where he's not the right answer at that spot. So be ready for those. But by and large, I think he's now convinced the players. Players want him out there. And it seems like he's now convinced the coaches that he's fast enough and healthy enough that he's going to kind of get not necessarily a start, but kind of first crack at those minutes even if he's coming off the bench. I think you can add Vanderbilt. And then as the Warriors go, um, they went to this new-look starting five. Draymond, Kaminga, Wiggins, Clay, and Steph. And again, everybody's numbers were hugely inflated in a double overtime game. Um, And I I still don't trust Andrew Wiggins as far as I can toss him. But I think you probably need to make sure that all five of those guys are rostered right now. Because what if Wiggins just magically wakes up? And he got dropped in a lot of places because he was horrible for most of the season. Um, He's available in like half of the leagues that I'm in. I think you kind of need to give him a roster spot, even if it's just for one game. Even if he comes back out against Philly tomorrow and poops the bed and you drop him again. If Andrew Wiggins starts to play like Wiggins from the last two years, that's a top 100 guy or better. But look, he's been at 12 points, four boards, and one and a half assists this season, and his head isn't in the game, and his field goal percent is down 4% from the last three years, and his threes are back down from two and a half to one, and his free throw percent is still not good, which it's been his whole damn career, and his steals are crazy. He's at .4 steals. There's a guy that averages one as a starter. What if some of that stuff starts to come back? What if you start to get a look at, like, old man, like the previous version of Wiggins. So throw him onto your roster for one day. That's all I'm asking you. Uh, Kaminga's really hot right now, and they're giving him as much as he can handle, so he should be on rosters. And I admit I was slow to get on board on the Roto side. I did say as soon as he started playing more, get him for head-to-head. Don't worry about the percentages immediately. Let's see what happens. Roto, I was very skeptical, and I still remain a bit skeptical because uh, he doesn't get defensive stats, and he doesn't shoot the free throw well. Um, but they're giving him all he can handle, so that's a reason to explore it. That said, nobody else on this team needs to be on a roster right now. They've gone so heavy into the starters. Sacramento beat Dallas. Um, Kevin Herter is playable right now, um, so you know, have him, get him in lineups. Harrison Barnes is very hot right now. I don't really trust him. Um as far as I can toss him, we've seen enough Harrison Barnes over the years to know, like, I mean, he's focused right now, so that's a big deal. If you want to play the stream while warm game on Barnes and Herter, I'm, fi- I'm fine with that. I think Herter, his path is just easier because he, t- he hits more three-pointers than Barnes does. He tends to assist more than Barnes does. Harrison, his value is usually mostly just in points and free throw percent. Now he's been on a crazy run lately, but... I mean, we've got to think the bottom is about to fall out there. I just don't know exactly when. And then because of those guys playing better, Malik Monk is going through a little bit of a dry spell. If I'm ranking these guys, I'd probably prefer to have Monk over Herter over Barnes. I think Monk is a guy that should remain on rosters. I think Herter's a guy that should be on rosters right now. And I'm totally fine with you completely ignoring the Harrison Barnes heater if you want. As far as Dallas goes, there was no Kyrie again, who, remember, jammed his thumb like a week ago and said, I'm fine, and now he's out for, what has he missed, four games already, and he's already been ruled out for tonight. Duty, I say to that. No, you're not adding Grant Williams after a 7-3 pointer game. Uh, He might actually be on a little hot run, so you may miss another good one, but, you know, I think I'd rather miss a good one than play him for a, a total tank game. Luka, obviously, he's going to have to do everything with no Kyrie. Tim Hardaway Jr. is streamable when either Luka or Kyrie is out. We've talked about that. Derek Lively is your guy at center. I would love to see the Mavericks make a move for a center, someone to have there while they're developing Lively, but as long as that's not happening, you continue to play Lively. 
and I'm not worried about guys like Josh Green or Jaden Hardy or Dante Exum or Derek Jones Jr. Because, and I've said this for a while, I don't think... And now, listen, if they come back while Kyrie is out, then maybe you could explore it. But once this team gets healthy, I don't think anybody besides Luka, Kyrie, and Lively at that point would actually have fantasy value. Did anybody not play Saturday or Sunday? I don't remember. Let's do that old game. I think uh, the Cavs, I believe, were the only team that didn't play over the weekend. Yeah, that sounds right. All right, let's go to Friday. Let's look at Cleveland's last ball game. Did they even play on Friday? Uh, I know they played on Friday. Why am I not seeing it? I got to get my eyes checked. Am I looking at... Oh, I'm looking at the wrong Friday. Ha ha. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Watch Dan struggle. And there's the Cavs. Um, so not a ton of thoughts on, on Cleveland. Um, Karis LeVert should be playable with Garland out, who they keep saying he's getting closer, and then we, we're not hearing anything about it. So I would play Levert. Struess is playable again. It looks like he's maybe starting to wiggle his way out of a funk. His shooting wasn't as good in this ballgame, but the rebounds, the assists, the steals were back there. And the 35 minutes, that's the important thing. And then obviously Jared Allen and Donovan Mitchell have been uh, amazing. Sam Merrill, the cool-off, you knew it was coming. You knew it was coming. No way that dude was just going to hit four three-pointers a game forever. You just, you knew it. Um, so Jared Allen, Donovan Mitchell, Struess, and probably Lavert are the guys you're playing on the Cavs right now. Whoo, man alive. And that was a very long and intense uh, weekend review quickly on the week ahead. And I don't, I forgot to get the graphic ready here. So what I'm going to try to do is on the fly, where's the zoom button? There's the zoom button. On the fly, we're going to share the Sports Ethos premium stream board uh so if you're watching the video you'll get a little treat here um just quickly so that you guys can kind of see what the week looks like first of all you can check out uh the great Derek ball and his uh work with the week ahead over on uh sportsethos.com and then there's a sort of accompaniment thread on twitter um but this is what the premium stream board looks like it's got all the games lined up and that way you can kind of see visually how to stack guys. So Boston, you know, you can see it here. Boston has a back-to-back today. Uh, the, uh, the Lakers have a back-to-back today tomorrow. The Knicks have a back-to-back. Philly has a back-to-back today tomorrow. Utah has a back-to-back today tomorrow. So there's a lot of choices. Uh, today could, however, be an overload day. So check on that um, in terms of uh, sort of game planning your week out. Today is, uh, what is that, a dozen games today? I think there's 12 today, 5 on Tuesday. Wednesday is 10, so that one's bordering on overload, just 4 on Thursday. 10 again on Friday. This is a big back-and-forth kind of week. So make sure that you've got, you you checked your calendar to make sure whatever streaming moves you're making are not uh, putting your team into a spot where you're like adding a player on a day where you're already full. So what you should probably be looking at is who goes on Tuesday and Thursday. That's a, a nice spot to be in. Here's the 30th and February 1st. So Boston is Tuesday, Thursday. Uh, Indiana, the Lakers are Tuesday, Thursday. The Knicks, the Sixers, some of the teams we just talked about, and the Jazz. So a lot of these teams that go three times in the first four days of the week. That's where you should be looking to start the week. Uh, and then once you get through Thursday, then you just want to make sure you get uh, anybody that has two games the rest of the way. So it's really more about which teams to avoid during that stretch. And this is such a wonderful tool on our website. I'm just giving you a snippet of it on your screen right now. But if you guys get a Fantasy Pass, you guys get this full Excel file to download. Fantasy Pass is month-to-month these days. Um, strongly recommend using that for uh, some of your stuff. Oh, boy. A lot of you guys ended up tuning in for this thing, and I forgot to take a moment in the middle of the show to remind you all to please follow me on Twitter, at Dan Bespris. Check out our buddies over at manscaped.com. Promo code there is ethos20, ethos20, to get 20% off your order at manscaped.com. I am holding the handyman. This is the box it comes in. It's lovely. Right next to my shoulder here. Um, This is the actual electric razor. It's not a sideburn trimmer. This is what I use on my cheeks. This is what I use on... Uh, like strays. You guys probably have stray hairs, right? 
my dad may he rest in peace used to call them the out of bounds markers when you got a hair that's just like way off in the distance gotta knock that one out man or it's a two-stroke penalty um this is a real electric razor and it's so fast and easy to use and i just pop it out both cheeks dunzo um i've got all the other stuff in the next room over in the bathroom that's the actual trimmers but there it's so good there man you got to check it out Again, promo code at Manscaped is Ethos20, Ethos20. That'll get you 20% off and free shipping on your order. Again, I will ask you, please, if you haven't done it yet, roll on over to our trade deadline live coverage page and pop a thumbs up on that bad boy. Throw the link on the screen. It's in the chat room. It's in the show description. Uh, We are... We were at 5.57 when I started the show. We're at 5.58 now, so one of you guys went over and hit the thumbs up. I hope one more of you will do it, because we've got like 150 of you watching live right now, and usually well over 1,000 on YouTube after the fact, and multiple thousands on the other podcast channels. Someone please go and do it. Like, I love that we're at 5.58, but I know how many of you follow me on Twitter and on pods, and it's a lot more than 5.58, so please go do that. It's going to be one of our best shows ever. I'm so excited. It's five hours of coverage Thursday the 8th starting at 7.30 a.m. And I cannot wait to see you guys over there uh, on that trade deadline page. So, again, thank you for listening every day, uh, today and every day. I am at Dan Vespers on social. If you're watching on Twitter, awesome. Make sure you hit the follow button. We got lots to do over on social the rest of today. I'm hoping to get a buy low show out this afternoon. Cross your fingers. It's going to come down to how much time we got. Uh, Until then, I will see you guys on social. Thanks for watching. Hugs and kisses. Bye-bye for now.